Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Before I uh, introduce our, our speaker for today, I just want to say a little bit about Tuesday. If you don't know what happens Tuesday, that's why you have all the ads on TV, radio, internet, in your mailbox, on your lawn, all that. We have an election on Tuesday. And uh, a few things about that. One is I do think, uh, I, I would encourage you to vote. It's just Christians globally, Christians historically, uh, I mean, literally have gotten persecuted uh, by their government. And the, and the idea that we get to choose who those people are is just an amazing, amazing privilege. So I, I do hope that you would vote. And I want to encourage you to vote, but not to forget these things. Uh, we don't follow a red elephant or a blue donkey, but a slain lamb. Uh, we go to in this. You're in church. It's OK to clap for something like that. All right. Thank you. In case you forgot where you are. But wherever you are, you, you, you operate as a disciple. And um, uh, we, we don't come to Jesus uh, with his terms, but he is the one on the throne. Uh, he's the one uh, who rules over our hearts. And uh, he has a side, and it's not yours, and it's not theirs. Uh, it's his. And so we want to be him. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is candidates get our votes, but Jesus gets our heart. Uh, and you'll find out, you'll find out uh, who has your heart on uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, uh, if you're really happy or really sad, uh, you'll see who has your heart. Jesus' kingdom lasts forever. Uh, terms last four years. His lasts forever. Uh, give him your heart. Give candidates your vote. Number three, loving a you is having a view. Uh, loving a you is greater than having a view. Excuse me. I like that one. It rhymes. Uh, you, your influence as a Christian is just so infinitely more important than whatever view that you have. I mean, there, don't believe the hype. This is not the most important election ever. Uh, that's not true. Um, uh, loving people, influencing people, your role as an ambassador, the, 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 the office that you hold as an ambassador of Christ is way more influential than any governor, senator, or even president. And so just do not forget that loving we're, we're here to, to shine light on Christ, not on a particular view. Uh, fourthly, Christians agree on what? We don't get to choose what we believe. It's all there in the Bible. You can see it for yourself. But we may disagree on the how. Um, so give, give people that. Politicians will say, if you, if you go this direction, you hate all these people. If you go in this direction, you hate all these people. That's just not true. Uh, the Bible uh, gives us very clear instruction on what we are to believe, uh, does, is vague on how we go about doing that. So let's give each other, uh, let's not fall into that trap of believing what politicians tell us. It's just not true. Now that's my hope. That's my pastoral hope for us. I, I realize that that may not, I mean, Tuesday you're going to forget this and, and that's fine, but I just wanted to give it a shot and see if it would work. So I hope that you have a happy to, you know, and, and it's like that moment, your, your dad around Christmas is like, hey, let's all do this in order, one at a time, let's go through the story of Christmas, and then two seconds later, you know, Christmas paper is everywhere, and so it's chaos. Uh, well, I hope that you remember this and, and remember uh, what it is to follow Jesus, follow Jesus in this season and uh, keep some sanity and keep some, um, keep, the, keep the attention on Jesus. We have a, a real privilege to have uh, Tiffany Aiklin with us today. She blessed, our, blessed the socks off of our ladies over the weekend and uh, has done that before in past 
conferences, and uh, we've known uh, Travis, who leads the church in uh, Visalia, uh, California Radiant Church. Uh, we've been family with them for 10 years now. And when you know someone that long, uh, you get to go through the ups and downs of lives, and you get to see them in low moments. And I've, uh, I've seen them in uh, several low moments, and they've passed the test, uh, often submitting themselves to Jesus and taking the hit on the chin uh, among others. And so there's someone that we can genuinely receive from, and we, we've received from both of them over the years. And uh, we know their life, uh, we know their doctrine, and so we can commend them to you wholeheartedly. Will you please welcome Tiffany as she continues in our series on money. Morning. Morning, Jubilee. Thank you for having me. Um, such a joy and privilege to be with the women this weekend. I had so much fun. And uh, Radiant Church in Visalia sends their love and their greetings. There are many there that love Jubilee. And so it's just a gift to me to get to be with you guys. And I got excited when I heard that you were in a series on money. Because uh, Matthew 6, the passage that was read has become one of my life verses out of necessity. Um, Trav and I have been married for 20 years. We have five daughters. And five daughters come with some financial need. <laughs> I, I can tell you that carting around five girls in, in grocery stores or stores, um, the two comments I would always get are, were you trying for that boy? Or uh, some comment about how much money I'm going to need. <laughs> and I'm the one in our marriage that would just naturally have a tendency to worry about money. My husband, not so much. He's like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, you pay the bills and then tell me not to worry about it. <laughs> you try to clothe and feed five children and tell me not to worry about it. So this has been an area for me, an area where I have needed to pursue Jesus's truth and get it into my bones so that it changes the way that I live. When that passage was being read, I had this memory of, we, we have this ancient boat, it's older than us, we just love this old thing because we take the girls to the lake near our house and just laugh and play and have fun. And uh, Trav had taken Finley and a couple of friends to the lake in the boat for her birthday. Well, the boat ends up breaking down, which is a common occurrence, and all of the kids have to swim it into the dock. They load it up in the car to bring it home, and on the way home, the car breaks down. They hitch a ride home. Trav comes home to get our other car, take it to drive back to deal with the broken boat and the broken vehicle, and our other car breaks down on the way. <laughs> and so, I don't know if you guys have days like this. I feel like we have days like this. You know what I mean? And so he comes home to tell me what has happened. And this kind of scenario is usually just, it's perfect for me. Perfect to just spin out into worry and anxiety over all of these things. And I had been joining with Paul in this phrase, I am well supplied. I had, I had written it on my mirror. <laughs> I was like, this is my mantra. I am well supplied. I am well cared for. I had been contending for this ground in my heart. So he gives me this news. And I, the reaction of my heart was, I am well supplied. And out loud I said, well, Jesus, what are you going to do about your cars? 
was like, yes, yes. Like something has changed and transformed in my heart. I have taken ground in this fight to believe God. I am becoming more like Jesus. I am sounding more like Paul. And so I love this passage and I wanna go for it together with you today. Just getting into our bones, this truth that Jesus is wanting us to live in and out of. So let's jump in. Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Do not be anxious. Why is he telling us that? Because he knows that we're going to be anxious. <laughs> like he knows that there's in just the chaos of this world that we live in, there's going to be ample opportunity for us to engage in worry and anxiety. He knows that. And he's telling us, he's commanding us, do not be anxious. Now in this passage, he's talking about necessary things of life, like food and clothing. This is just the daily stuff. We wake up, we have to get dressed. We wake up, we have to feed ourselves. We have to feed our families. This is just, this is our daily reality. And I feel like Jesus in this passage is caring about, he is caring about how we carry this reality in our hearts. How are we holding this reality? This stuff, we kind of have to deal with. It's just a part of life. He cares about the way our hearts are holding it. And he has things to say about the way we hold it. So he's, he's saying, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about these daily necessities. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. But seek first the kingdom of God. And I feel like this is a good place to start. Just let's get our paradigm right here. He's speaking to us as a king with a kingdom. And we're subjects in a kingdom with a king who is sovereign over our lives and his kingdom and mindful of what his kingdom needs, what his people need. He's a perfect, loving, caring, powerful king. That's the paradigm that we're coming to this passage with. And so as we are dealing with our human lives that Jesus understands of food and clothing and house and spouse and job and home and cars and bills, he's saying, don't fret over these things, but bring them under my kingship. Recognize my authority over all these things and recognize my care over you. So we're going to just bring his kingship over all of these necessities of our life, our daily life. So Jesus in this passage, so wonderful. He's telling us to do a hard thing, right? But he, in this small passage, is giving us eight reasons not to worry. Jesus says eight reasons not to worry, and we're gonna dig into them. The first one, life is about something greater. I think this is the biggest one for me, my favorite one. Do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Why? Because life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And we can tend to get anxious about these things because food and clothing, well, this is like a survival issue. If, we're not, if, we're, if we're, we don't have food, we could die. If we don't have the appropriate clothing in circum certain circumstances, we could die. Survival issue, uh, extension of life issue. These are also pleasure issues and approval issues. We can find value from these things. The kind of clothes we wear, the kind of accolades that we get for the clothes that we wear, the kind of food we can buy or make, how we host. These are things that we can get attention for, affirmation for. And God's caring about those places in our hearts. He doesn't want us to lose sight of what life is really about. And so he says, life is not about pleasure. It's about something greater. It's about pleasure in God. 
Life is not about approval of man. Life is about being approved of by God. It's about something greater than these things. Life isn't about survival or extension on earth. Life is about the kingdom of God and eternal life that lasts forever. This is about something greater. Get your eyes on something greater. And Jesus is inviting us into the good, the truly good life, the one that will last forever, the one we can invest in and see rewards and fruit from for eternity, not the temporal one that passes away. And we ache for this. We ache actually for the good life, for the thing that lasts, for the thing that goes on forever. This is like why we, I, like I'm like, oh, heirloom jewelry. You know, like these things were kind of like, it, it passes down for generations. There's something about that. We want things to last. There's an ache in us for that. And we can get caught in this trap of reaching to things that are not that, reaching to things that are not God to touch this ache in our hearts. We were made for the Garden of Eden. We were made for right and free, intimate relationship with God where all of our needs were taken care of. We were cared for. We didn't even need clothes. And we were just living in the good of God forever. That's what we were made for. That's what our hearts were made for. We have Eden hearts. That's what I call it. And so we can take our Eden hearts and our longings for the good life, for the things that last, for the things that satisfy, and we can get caught in a trap of reaching for things that inevitably wear out, break down, disappoint. And like sometimes almost immediately after getting that thing we've really wanted, there can be this sense of like, well, that didn't really do it. Well, that was kind of underwhelming. I can feel this way around the holidays. Like I can feel this way at Christmas time. Like my, my heart can kind of get caught up in these longings for like the good and everything to go well and like just this thing of like provision and care like maybe as a kid you experience like because you're in the position of receiving right and your parents maybe they they did like know what you wanted and they got it and they cared for you and you just felt like all your dreams are coming true and now as parents you're the one in the position making all of that happen and it's like you spent all day on this meal. It was eaten in 10 minutes. It's all done. And it's like, well, that didn't really do it. And we're kind of left with this unsatiated ache that is for eternity. It's for heaven. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the good, the perfect good that will go on forever and never end. And Christmas just can't step to that. That new shirt you want, it can't step to that. Like That amazing meal that will be forgotten next week, it just can't step to that. Our hearts are aching and longing for something much deeper, much more profound. But we can get caught in this trap, unaware of the ache and longing in us. We can put that longing on perishables and corrodables, Right? things that don't last. And we can be so easily duped by the loud and incessant bombarding message of this world that says something like this. You need more than you have. You need more than you have. 
You need more than you have. You need more than you have. You need more than you have. I mean, just open your phone and scroll for five seconds and count the number of times that really the message under the message is, I have something that you don't and you need it. That's the air that we breathe in this culture. That's the air that we breathe. We need more than we have. And then not only are we kind of facing that just like in the world, in the air that we breathe, but we also have an enemy that's set against us finding life and contentment and flourishing in God right where we are. And so he tailor makes messages that he whispers into our ears to entrap us into worry and anxiety and to steal the good life in God from us. And sometimes for me, um, his tailor-made messages have worked so well, I'm sad to say. And he can come whispering to me, you know what would fix all of your problems? More money. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Or this has been a good one that's worked, I'm sad to say. You would be better off you would be more well off if you hadn't gone into ministry. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> lies, total lies meant to still the beautiful provision of God from me. And they can work. And if we're living unaware to those whispers, they can work. And God wants us to tune our ears to listen to the story that we're telling ourselves, to the story that he's telling us, to the story that we're living in. That's, is it stealing from us? We need to consider that. In this world, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. This is like the corrosion of time, the corrosion of nature, the corrosion of humanity. And if we have hung our hearts on things that a moth can destroy, we have maybe not hung our hearts on the right things. If we have hung our hearts on something that a human being can steal from us, Jesus is saying, please, Please put your aim on the right thing so that you can find life. I don't like the spoiling nature of this world or the corroding nature of this world because my Eden heart is like, this should be good forever, right? I love old things. We've always lived in old houses. I got so tired of corrosion that three years ago we moved to a new house. I was like, I'm done with things corroding and I just want everything to be new and to work forever. In my old house, I was dealing with a broken kitchen faucet. Guess what I'm dealing with in my new house? A broken kitchen faucet. And my reaction was like, what? How am I dealing with this? I've like hung my heart on a new house that won't corrode. And it's like, no, there's only one place I can hang my heart that won't ever perish, spoil, or fade. And it's the kingdom of God. And so where have we hung our hearts? And, and, and uh, yeah, like just the, what is a life of accumulating stuff? Like the end of our life, like, how much energy have I put into that? 
What does a life of accumulating treasure in heaven look like and feel like? And that's what I want. I don't want to be duped by empty pursuits. I don't want to be duped into this. If I could just get my hands on, if I could just get my hands on, then I would be happy. If I could just get my hands on, right? I want to get my hands on the kingdom of God. And we can. We can have that life. So number two, Jesus' reason, second reason to not worry, is that it is God who feeds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I just want to ask the question, who feeds you? Who feeds you? Like not in, in the rote, like I know God provides for me. Who feeds you? In the moment when the bill comes in the mail and it's much greater than the amount in your account. Who feeds you? Who is the source of you? Because for me, in those moments, I am like right into worry and what kind of side hustle am I going to do to get this paid for because I feed me. And because I am my source and I feed me, well, I'm experiencing a lot of worry. And I should. I should be feeling anxiety if I feed me. But if God feeds me, if God is my source, then I have a different option besides worry. And he wants us to believe in our bones that he feeds us. And the birds, they, they're hard workers. So this isn't like, oh, God feeds me. I mean, we watch, their birds are working all day long. But they know they don't feed themselves. And they're also not like, oh my goodness, who's going to feed us tomorrow? They just know it's the reality that they live in. God feeds them. We had this need come up. That was big. And I called Travis to tell him about it. And I was like, you know, doing the thing that I do. And he was like, God's provided this for us before. He can do it again. <laughs> just apply. <laughs> I was like, I just noticed in my heart that the reaction was, yeah, I know we've already gotten this hand handout from God. Like, we already got that stimulus check from the government. <laughs> He already helped us out there. Like, we've used up our handout. And it's like, whoa, what? These are not handouts. God's designed the world and us to live daily dependent on him. Whether we have more than we need or less than we need. He's designed the world to live daily bread dependent on God. It's the way that he wants the relationship to work. And it is a relational thing. It's not a handout. It's daily provision from my father that he wants me living on. And it's his joy to feed us. And it's his joy to provide for us. And we can miss out on this if we don't have what we need. And we can miss out on this if we have more than what we need. And Jesus is contending that we would have this kind of relationship with him that we would have the kind where there is daily bread, where there's daily sustenance, daily provision that is affecting the way we, 
we live because we're being daily fed by God, not by ourselves. Jesus' third reason not to worry is that worry is a bad investment. It says it can't add anything to your life, can't add a day, can't add an hour. And I actually would say it takes away a lot from our lives. It has a growing effect. I feel like worry has this sort of bandwidth presence in our lives where it's taking thought and emotion and energy and it's getting us going and it's actually stealing a lot of energy and space where God is wanting to reside, to speak, to direct. And we need to, not, we need to contend for that in our inner life. That, that wouldn't be lost to worry and anxiety, but God would have that space. Jesus' fourth reason to not worry is that God loves to adorn. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Jesus can almost sound like a prosperity preacher here. Like, if I follow Jesus, I'm gonna be the most well-dressed person in the room. But I think the heart here is that it's not just enough. Like he's not, he's not like a rationing drip system father that's just giving you leftovers. He's abundantly good. He's abundantly good. I could write a book of the times that God has provided for me. Abundantly better than I ever deserved. He's generous and good. He's extravagant. It's not just barely enough. It's more than that. And we see that in the birds, in the flowers. I feel like in the, with the birds, if we could hear their song, they'd be singing, Father, you are all we need. And if we could listen to the song of the flowers, they would be singing, it is well with my soul. <laughs> they have powerful things to teach us. These flowers that are beautifully dressed in the abundance of God, they're flourishing in God wherever they're sown. They're enjoying what God provides. They're living in his care, whether they're planted over here or over there. I don't think the flowers are like, I don't like that you planted me here. That, that flower's petals are better than my petals. Like they are just delighting to flourish where and how God has made them. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into, that we would choose a flourishing life over a life of accumulation, that we, we would choose our life over the life of someone else's, that we would say, you can plant me where you want, you can water me how you want, and I can flourish in your abundance of goodness right here and right now, in and out of seasons, in community, that birds and flowers, it's seasonal, it's communal, it's beautiful, it's shared. We can flourish in God. And I love this Jesus' nature prescription. He's literally telling us to take our physical eyes and go outside and look at and consider birds and flowers. Natural theology has 
really powerful things to teach us. And as we have like become more and more of an indoor culture and a screen culture, we're losing more and more of this creation that God made for us to live in daily that is constantly preaching and singing to us about who God is and who we are. And Jesus is saying like, get outside and look with your eyes at the birds and the flowers and consider what they have to teach you. Consider what revelation they have to give you. And I just want us to fight this fight. This is a fight worth fighting. Like to take ground here, to be intentional about the stories that we're living in, to be intentional about what we are being saturated by. Like in in a day of mine, am I more saturated by the message from the world that says, I need more than what I have? Or am I more deeply saturated by the truth and reality that I am cared for and have all that I need in a God who loves me right here and right now? Just consider your life. Do we need to fast media? Like I've taken times where I feel like I'm losing this battle and I've fasted media. I have unfollowed Anything having to do with stuff or needing stuff, even friends or Christians that are really leading me to want things more than I'm wanting God. I've unfollowed, I've fasted, I've cleared out, I've memorized scripture, I've meditated on these truths, I've taken nature walks as prescription for my soul to grow and thrive in these areas because I've needed it. And I just want to ask you, what do you need? What do you need to thrive in this with Jesus? Jesus' fifth reason to not worry is that that's what unbelievers do. Like, this is the world that people without God live in. Like, this is where they have to live because they don't, they, they're not submitted to a king who cares for them. They don't know they have a father who's there to meet their needs and listen to the cares of their hearts. And so they're worrying about these things. But we have these things and so we're, we're, our lives aren't supposed to look and sound like them. We're supposed to look and sound very different from the world who doesn't have these things. Jesus' fifth reason to to not worry. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. I love that, them all. (laughs) It's not just general needs. It's not just our general needs. It's like, today, I have needs. I personally have needs today that no one in this room knows about, but he does and he cares about them specifically. And I can go to him and I can ask for help with them and I can receive his care. And he knows all of your needs specifically. And he cares about each one because he cares about you. And he wants us coming to him and trusting that that's his heart for us. Jesus' seventh reason to not worry is that there are kingdom bennies Anybody like some bennies? I do. Kingdom benefits. That there's like so much to be gained in trusting God. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things. And we know that all these things are better than what we can imagine. There are like 
benefits and rewards from living in the way that God's invited us to live with him. And he's wanting us to aim at the right things and not the wrong things. And he's wanting us to understand that when we give our all to his kingdom, he gives our all, his all to us. When we go to work for him, he goes to work for us. This is a partnership deal. And there are benefits from being partnered with Jesus. The best kind of partnership, business partnership, you're ever going to find. There are kingdom and eternal benefits. And the last reason Jesus says to not worry is that today is all you've really got. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. And God has appointed to today its own uh, portion of pleasure and pain. There's good and there's bad. And worry is a liar and it lies to us about tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and next decade. And it tries to lasso imaginary future worry and anxiety into today. Worry has this compounding effect. It doesn't stay in its place, it grows. And so what this looks like for me is like, I get that bill in the mail that I don't have the ability to meet and I start to worry about that bill. And then I'm like, how are we gonna pay for that bill? And then I'm like, how are we gonna pay for braces for five kids? And then I'm like, how are we gonna pay for five weddings? And then I'm like, how are we ever going to retire? And I have literally lassoed like all the imaginary worry from my life into today. And I, and I feel like the Lord, he will tell me like, you can go up there if you want, but that's not where I am. I'm right here. All of my presence, all of my love and my provision, my grace and my power is here for you right now, today. It's not up there in your imaginary fears. And so Jesus, is, his prescription for worry is, you, you, if you want to live a life, and we do, who in this room wants to live anxious and worried? No one. Jesus is saying, Come right here next to me. Stay in step with me. Walk with me. I have everything that you need for today. Will you stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, just thank you for knowing that we would be up against this challenge. And thank you for just such clear prescriptions of how to walk in freedom with you. We recognize your kingship. We recognize your fathering in our life. We recognize that you love us, that you care about us, that you're providing all love and provision and grace and power that we could ever need for today. And so we bring our needs to you. Would you care for them, Jesus? Would you care for them? Would you give us eyes to see your kingdom? Would you give us hearts that aim at the right thing? Would we reach for you in all our places of ache and longing that this perishing world can never touch? Would we run to you with our hearts? and be satisfied and met by you, God. Would we walk in step with you? Would we walk in freedom with you? 
trusting, trusting You fully, going all in with You, Jesus, knowing that You go all in for us. Father, if You, if You wanted so badly for us to come into this kind of relationship with You, that You didn't even spare Your own Son, You're not gonna stop short on us now. Thank you for not sparing your own son. We receive his life, his power, his fullness, his provision for our hearts today, for our needs today. And we know that you will never stop short for us. We love you, Lord. Amen.